0: morning I want to share with you a couple of verses of scripture found in the third chapter of the book of Revelation, reading the 15th and the 16th verses, in which the writer said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Out of these verses, I lift up these words for your special consideration, as the writer said, because you're lukewarm. That is because you're too speak out of my mouth. And with these words as a background, I want to make an observation. I, I think that we might be, we, we, it might be that the greatest sin of the 20th century is the sin of mediocrity. Now I know that when a person reaches a certain age, things of the past have a tendency to seem much better than the things of the present. And in reality, as we look back across the past, things seem to be better than they actually were. Now realize, of course, that I am dangerously close to that age of life in which I look back over the past and think about how great things used to be and realize that in reality, those things that used to seem so great and so good and so outstanding, perhaps were not really as great and good and outstanding as they seem to be when I look at them in retrospect. And yet with this thought in mind, it does seem to me that there is an absence absence of excellence in so many areas of our life. For example, I watch a golf tournament on television, as many of you do. And I watch those golfers as they play uh, several holes of golf, and they tee off, and their drives in the fairway seem to be good, and they get up on the, the green, and they are ready to putt for what seems to be the winning putt of the tournament. And it looks as though a person in a professional state of existence ought to be able to do a little bit better than those of us who are strictly amateur. And I watch these men as they uh, take the putter in their hand and they aim, and it seems to me that the ball ought to fall into the cup. But for some reason or another, when they putt, the ball goes either to the right or to the left. Not necessarily as far to the right or the left as my putt goes, but it's just as much of a miss uh, as the one that I miss. And as I watch this, I think about some of the, the great golfers of the past. And I wonder about the likes of Jack Nicholas or Arnold Palmer or Ben Hogan or some of the others and realize how much they tried and how successful they were in doing those things that seem to be evasive of so many of the, you know, the, the people in the field today. I watch a football game on television professional football. And, and I, I wonder how the outcome of the game is going to be. And, and you watch the quarterback, particularly most of us as armchair quarterbacks, watch these men as they take the ball in their hand and, what, and drive for what seems to be the winning touchdown. But it doesn't quite score, and the team goes away in defeat. And I can remember the days of Johnny Unitas or Bart Starr, and realize so many times what seemed to be a game of certainty defeat turns into a game of victory because of the character of the men involved and the ability of those individuals. A few weeks ago, a few days ago, I guess it was, one of the papers carried out what was to me a rather interesting article about baseball. Over the past uh, history of the baseball, or baseball, one of the writers had picked out uh, what he considered to be the top ten team in the history of baseball. The thing that intrigued me so much was he made a comment. Talked about the excellence of the New York Yankees a few years ago. And he said, in all probability, there never had been and made it never would be a team in baseball quite equal to the Yankees of DiMaggio and Mantle and Whitey Ford. There was something of excellence about these individuals, and and there was a thrill in watching them play baseball, for they knew how the game should be played. They excelled in the particular A few days ago, I was absent from your pulpit, and on the Saturday, Friday night, or Saturday before uh, Sunday rolled around, a preacher friend and I. Uh, we're trying to decide with our wives where we would go to church the following Sunday morning. When I'm away from the pulpit, I want to find the very best preacher that is possible for me to hear. I know you'd like that every Sunday, but you put up with what you got. But I decided that we decided we would look around and we would find the most outstanding preacher in that area. And there were some of the larger churches of our conference involved. We talked about some of the, the pulpits, some of the preachers that were involved. Where would we go to church? And we looked at some of the uh, larger churches and some of the smaller churches. And whether we were right or not, we finally came to the conclusion that most of the preaching that you individuals have to tolerate today is mediocre. There just doesn't seem to be any of the great pulpit giants. Uh, that we have known in times past. And I couldn't help but remember just a few years ago, what seems to be a few years ago, I remember when the pulpits of Methodism in the city of Birmingham were dominated by two individuals. Paul Hardin was the pulpiteer at First Methodist Church in Birmingham. Guy was the pulpiteer in Highlands Church in downtown Birmingham. And every Sunday morning you could depend on these two men but are powering the heights as far as ability is concerned. And you never had to wonder uh, whether you would be disappointed in the service that they brought. One more conservative and one more liberal, whatever the desires were, they were the giants of the pulpit in the city of Bernstein as far as Methodism was concerned. Now, what is to them. Uh, Where some of the giants of the past have gone? Uh, In so many areas of life, when you look at the world in which we live, there seems to be an absence of excellence in so many areas of our life. However, the most tragic fact of our day is the decline of excellence in capitalism. The moral decline that has taken place in our world ought to be of ultimate and utmost concern to each of us as we face the world of the 20th century for if there is any one thing we need to lift us out of the mire of mediocrity and set us on the foundation of the future it is an excellence of character and a moral uh, understanding of life and of the universe and of human nature itself, that would lift us the above and beyond the state of mediocrity in which we live. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, do we not have to admit that the average or the norm has become the acceptable standard of conduct? And we are satisfied as long as as we are not very much worse than the average person with whom we can compare our life and the standard by which they live. And we are satisfied with others as long as they seem to maintain an average of character and an average of conduct in the everyday affairs of their life. And I wonder today, if we are not shortchanging ourselves particularly in the areas of leadership on a political level, on a church level, on any other level in which you want to look. I wonder if we are not shortchanging ourselves today because we are so easily satisfied with the mediocrity of the 20th century. Now when you look at the words of the risen Christ which we have chosen for our text today. Here in these words of revelation, the risen Christ speaks his greatest words of condemnation against such an attitude of mediocrity. Someone has said it this way, the Bible sheds a veritable floodlight of understanding upon the moral colorlessness of mankind. For the best sinner, it has pity. For the man who fumbles his God-given opportunities, it has hope. To the insincere, it speaks with hot anger. But for the man who is morally mediocre, the writer said, the risen Christ, the words of the Bible, have absolutely nothing but contempt. Dr. William Barclay, commenting on the words of our Scripture, says it this way. Laodicea has the grim distinction of being the only church of which the risen Christ has nothing good to say. As if to remind us that it just may be that the greatest sin of our day as well as of any age is the sin For mediocrity. Well, if you accept this as a basic premise, then let me suggest to you this morning there are some ways by which we can escape the world of mediocrity and rise to new heights and accept new challenges and discover new opportunities, not only for ourselves, but we can make some demands through these ideas upon the rest of the world in which we live. There are three things I lift up. The first of these is, we can escape a mediocre position when we remember that we are the children of God. I do not know of any one thing which does more for an individual's life than to realize the heritage from which we have come and the endowments that our heritage has brought to us and when you and i stop to think about the fact that we are the child of god that we originated in the mind and heart of god and he has breathed into us and as a result we have become a living soul this within itself provides the foundation upon which the activities of our life are built, and out of which we resolve here and now to be the very best that is possible for us to be. I think that the place where we begin is to realize that we are the children of God. He is our Father. He has given us life. He has breathed into us and He has endowed us with certain abilities. And it is from Him that we receive that which we use. I suppose as a parent, most of us are faced with uh, a decision or challenge or sometime as to whether or not we are going to be embarrassed by some of the things our children do I don't know about you, but mine were far from perfect. They they just never really reached the state of perfection. But I decided one day I never would be embarrassed by my I'm ashamed of some of the things they've done. I'm disappointed in some of the things they've done. I, I, I wish that they had done things a little bit different. Here is the place where we are in relationship to God. All God asks of us is that we take that to which we have been entrusted. Whether it is one talent or two talents or five talents, that we take the investment He has made in us and use it to the very best of our ability and when we walk the streets of the community in which we live, we can rest assured that our heads are held high because we've done the best we can to live up to the expectations of God. The second place, we can escape mediocrity when we link ourselves to something bigger than we ourselves are. As long as we're satisfied simply by keeping up with things as they are then very little is likely to happen. When we reach an area of life and we're satisfied with it, we say, well, I've done all I can and I've enjoyed as much as I can enjoy. We've never been doing that. But as long as we realize there are mountains to climb, there are heights to scale, there are joys to be explored, then we're going to strive for the very thing. That is to simply say, when the call of God and the will of God become the goal of our life, then we can rise above the medi- mediocrity of the world in which we live and the average and the norm of the standard. Two days ago, I was reminded of one of the great statesmen of our state. To me, he was. And as the speaker was talking about him, he shared with me some of the the lovely beginnings, the beginnings of surroundings from which he had come. A saintly mother tenant father, a tenant farmer for the father. Nothing wrong with being a tenant father. father. But the man was lacking in certain areas of character. And on every Saturday, the, the man said he got drunk every Saturday. And yet, this man worked his way through the law schools and the areas of life and became what I consider to be a statesman. And I intentionally don't call it name because you're not distributed. But he did rise to the heights of the of a statesman as far as I'm concerned. Because he had one goal in mind that was put there by his mother as she cotted him along to Sunday school Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. After Sunday. And instilled in the, the need for education and what's happened to us or so it seems to me what's happened to us is that, that we see ourselves all being pretty equal and I guess that's the basic dream of democracy I don't know but God has endowed us with certain abilities in which he has called us to excel. as long as I live I I will remember, I think, a man in the first church I served when I graduated, seminary. The man had grown up in a, in a message home. He's been a of that church all of his life, and when I was there, he was probably in his late 80s, maybe early 80s. He lost his voice. He didn't have the ability to do a lot of things, but he was, without a doubt, one of the most faithful I didn't, know. I didn't like him. He didn't like me. We, we didn't like each other, but, but as long as I live, I will remember. Sunday after Sunday, without any voice whatsoever, he'd take his hymn book and open it to the hymns that we were singing, or he'd read the response to reading. He would come there early and open the doors and see to it that the heat was on, the air conditioning was on. He saw to it that, that things were done in the right way because somewhere he had a goal of the importance. And the value of the kingdom of God. You and I can rise above the mediocrity of the 20th century when we compare ourselves to the impossible and realize that in reality there is no such thing in the sight of God as a mission possible. It is a mission possible. And then the last thing I would mention is this. And we realize that as a child of God, we are totally indestructible. We can rise above the world of when We realize that that which God has created will be preserved until the end of time. Then we realize that the investment God has made in us and the endowment He has made challenges the very best that we are. I want to tell you a little story that I heard several years ago. It illustrates to me so perfectly what I'm saying, what the words of our text but then I have no idea whether it's true or not. Supposedly it is a historical legend after the days of the French Revolution in which the uh, people were, as you know, destroying the 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 monarchy, the ruling class of the French. There was a little boy who ultimately would inherit the the throne and rise to the place of leadership, the story says. And so the revolutionists decided that instead of killing the child as they had the others at the beginning, that they would simply crush him from within, destroy everything good that he had. And so they began to figure out how how they were going to do it. And so there was an old hag in the community named Old May, the story goes. And they said, if there's any one person that can crush him from within, Old we'll take him out of the palace and out of his surroundings, and we'll take him down to the squalor where she has lived her life and where her life of filth is lived day by day, and let her use it he'll be destroyed. So they did. Day after day, week after week, she tried as hard as she could to swell the spirit of royalty with which the child was endowed. Always, seemingly, to no avail. But the story says that whatever she did, whatever she wherever she carried him under whatever uh, filth she tried to immerse his mind and his soul. When she would ask him what his plans for the future were, what he intended to make out of his life, he would end by saying, I was born to be a And it was this dream indestructible vision within his life with power. In the charity and And the will see this is the challenge that He to have God to be His child and to, to fulfill His purpose with the assurance of the fact that when He called us he did not take away from us the challenges of his invasion or the possibilities of things but he did take to us. He will never be destructive. For the breath of God within the human soul is as indestructible as night and day and the powers of the universe can the future. And it is still a physical to you this day, that as individuals, as a church, as a community, as a nation, as the people of God, we can rise beyond the world of mediocrity with the realization of who we are, how we stand in relationship to, to God Himself through His understanding of our we and of our needs and of our lives. And supplementing those things with the power of Jesus. Help us, O God, in our own lives from time to time to realize the investment you have made and enable us through your guidance and your direction to live with your government. For it is in the name of Christ you pray